This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show on this Memorial Day weekend. And Nate, Robin, I always joke, this is like one of the true sports writer holidays. I, I love Memorial Day just because, yeah, you got camps around the corner for like what we do. And there's going to be some recruiting things that happen here and there. But for the most part, Memorial Day is, is just one of the great American holidays uh, to kind of kick off summer and obviously remember uh, loved ones and friends that have passed away as well. But, you know, it's just it's just one of those great holidays. And the other thing that's great about it is the magazines start coming out to the newsstand. Yeah, magazines are coming out. You've got uh, – I always feel like Memorial Day is that, that last totally free weekend before things get really crazy in June and, and you know, always kind of basically until July 4th. Until media days and fall yeah, or, camp. Or, and, yeah, or media days. Um, and, and something always ends up happening on July 4th, I feel <laughs> like. So Memorial Day is like that last, like, holiday weekend before, uh, before media days and, and all that. So – uh, that's why I like it. A year ago, I was driving out to the lake on that Friday Memorial Day. I was going to like just have a really, really good day. And then I get a text that says, oh, hey, James Palmer's coming back to Nebraska for a year. <laughs> oh, so I pull into a Dunkin' Donuts parking lot and literally like write a story on my phone and do an interview uh, before the lake. So luckily I wasn't like on a boat and like really enjoying the holiday. Cause that probably would have made our, the interview much more difficult. Our friend Gabe the Armin from powermazoo.com, always a very cynical character. He, he says any kid that makes their big news announcement on Christmas, Memorial day, 4th of July can go, you know what themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but, and he's tweeted that before. Like he said that publicly. It's not just like, <laughs> that's you, private. Andrew Ward. That's you, oh, Andrew Ward. God linebacker that's not even not with us but let's get to what i was going to talk about here guys the the <clears throat> magazines have come out on the stands here as we're on memorial day weekend and i always like to slip into hyvee I, I don't know why i have a good feel when they're gonna they're gonna come out and last saturday the weekend before memorial day i was in hyvee and what do you know the athlon and the street and smith which is sporting news both were on the newsstands and they were kind of hidden and you see adrian martinez on the cover i'm like ooh, this is interesting and then the other cover um was this a generic big 10 cover but First thing I went to right away was I want to see what the Big Ten West standings look like. Well, both of these magazines have Nebraska being a nine-win team, winning the West over Iowa in one, and I believe Wisconsin in the other. One of them had Iowa at six in the West, which is pretty nuts when you when you think about that because they're, 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 they're a pretty good team coming back. But um, Nebraska right now, at least the two magazines that we've seen, now there's going to be a Phil Steele, there's going to be a Lindy still. Um, so there'll be two more major ones that come out. But Nebraska right now is your preseason May favorite to win the West. Chew on that, guys. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely encouraging that nationally Nebraska's, you know, getting attention uh, for the way they ended last year and um, kind of the momentum they built into the offseason. But keep in mind, Wisconsin was the overwhelming favorite to win the West last year. And then we all know how that transpired. So you take these things with a grain of salt, but you know, I do think that there is certainly a reason for this hype that's building not only locally, but uh, certainly around the country about Nebraska. And, you know, along with that, you know, Sean, we've been doing our, uh, 
um, you know, spring recaps of opponents, spring recaps of each one of Nebraska's opponents coming out of spring ball. And every guy I've talked to, uh, the consensus is that the rest of the Big Ten is expecting Nebraska to make a major jump in year two. You know, they all say that offense is going to be something to be reckoned with, with Adrian Martinez, with Scott Frost. Um, the, 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 this is a known commodity now. They're not going to take anybody by surprise. And uh, the rest of the league is, I think, kind of on the same page with some of these national publications that um, Nebraska is going to be a much different animal uh, than what they were in year one under Frost. Well, to me, it is, it's a little surprising because there are still a lot of question marks on this team. Um, you lose some key players. You you, you still have some holes, um, you know, on, on both sides of the ball at certain positions. So uh, it's a little surprising. But at the same time, I, I think it, this has everything to do with Adrian Martinez right now. Um, if if Nebraska doesn't have a quarterback like Adrian, who is you know a pretty special guy uh, at the helm there, I I've, I don't think that I don't think that people are picking Nebraska to win the West. Uh, but but they do have a guy like Adrian Martinez, and and you you hit it on the head there, Robin. Um, you know, other people are kind of they're expecting an awful lot out of Nebraska, and and I think that you know uh, there's teams in the Big Ten that are kind of scared about what Nebraska is going to do. I was talking with one of our colleagues that covers Ohio State over the weekend in St. Louis at the Rivals Camp, and and he said that he said that he's uh, been hearing that Ohio State is a little nervous about that trip to Lincoln, and that. Um, you know, like how, how long is it going to take Ryan Day to kind of get into it uh, with that team and, and that they got a couple of tests early on, even even Cincinnati against Luke Fickle and then that trip to, to Lincoln, um, you know, early on. And that might, it might be a night game, might be 11 a.m. Yeah. game if Fox decides to make that their number one national window. So that'll that night window could really make that a tough atmosphere oh, for yeah. Ohio State. So, I mean, there's. Yeah, that's a. It seems to be um, a lot of people in the conference that are that are kind of nervous mm-hmm. about what Nebraska is going to be, what what that game is going to be like uh, when they face the Huskers. Well, and when I look at Athlon, for example, nobody really wants to jump out on a limb on the West Division. I mean, it's. I think it's like Nebraska seventeen, Iowa eighteen, Wisconsin nineteen in the top twenty-five, and you, you see that a lot in these polls. We don't really know who's going to win the West. So we're just going to make them all like 17, 18, 19, or 21, 22, 20. Just kind of lump them all together. They, they have Nebraska 17 winning the West, going 6-3, and three, owning a tiebreaker over Iowa, clearly, because Iowa is also 6-3 and three in their poll. Iowa 9-3, and three, Nebraska 9-3, and three, Nebraska losing, though, to Michigan in the Big Ten title game. Um, they have Ohio State undefeated going into the Michigan game and then getting beat by Michigan um, in that in that last game and Michigan being a 12 and one team so maybe Notre Dame or somebody trips up Michigan down the road but I look at like Minnesota guys I mean they return like 16 starters mm-hmm. on their team um, I mean there's some dangerous teams in this division that nobody really is giving respect to but Minnesota is the one to me just when you kind of look at what they they return um, and the way they played at the end of the year, of all the teams in the West, they got nine starters back on offense, seven on defense. Um, they got the best player, other than maybe Jonathan Taylor, in the West, um, in Tyler Johnson, who you know probably should have went pro when he came back this year. Yeah, and so 
I mean, that's the thing about the West. Is this is such a crapshoot, really. I mean, top to bottom. I mean, you can make a case for any one of those teams outside of Illinois uh, to make a really strong push to win the division. And, um, you know, it's just another outlet that we haven't even talked about yet, Pro Football Focus. You know, they came up with their uh, preseason top 25 power rankings, and they had uh, Ohio State, as far as Big Ten teams go, uh, at the top of the list at sixth overall, and then Iowa at 10th. You just mentioned there was a publication that had uh, Iowa ranked sixth in the Big Ten West, where all, <laughs> Pro Football Focus has them as tenth in the country. So I mean, I think that, that that's why you got to kind of take all these things for for what they are. I mean, everybody's guessing at this point, especially when it comes to the Big Ten West, because it's a different beast now. Uh, I mean, every team outside of Illinois is getting a lot better. There's, you know, coaching uh, is vastly Poor improved. Illinois. Yeah. I mean, they're getting left in the dust right now. Uh, and so, I mean, the, the West, I think is leveling the playing field with the East far more than they have certainly since Nebraska has been involved in this conference. And I think that's going to make for a very competitive uh, division to where eight or nine wins might not even get you to Indianapolis. Let me read you Minnesota's first five games and tell me if you think they'll be 5-0 and potentially against Nebraska. Now, their opener is tricky. They have South Dakota State out of the gates, Fresno State, which they, are, they did win their conference last year. That will be a tougher game. Georgia Southern, Purdue, Illinois. And the Purdue game's on the road. So you look at, like, Minnesota's first five. To me, it's not out of the question that they could be 5-0, and 4-1, and one, um, and then they play Nebraska in that, in that game. So that that is a game that worries me on that, that maybe people aren't talking about right now. Uh, but, yeah, it's such a wide-open division, Robin, as you said. There's just so many questions. I mean, Wisconsin, you look at what they return coming back. I mean, it's, it's next to nothing. They have three starters back on offense – Essentially, their number three receiver, who was kind of a slot guy, is back. One running back, Jonathan Taylor, in their center, and that's it. Now, what's the name? That's that quarterback they got, the freshman they got, the Graham Mertz. Graham yeah. Mertz, he's a stud, but yeah. he, he is. Do you think he can win the job? Well, he's going to win the job. Yeah, I, I would be shocked if he didn't. I mean, and so like they were talking just about his uh, dynamic ability. Like they haven't had a guy that can make plays like that. I mean, probably since Russell Wilson. And so you know how good they were when they had a quarterback that was actually like capable of doing anything. And so that is a kind of a next factor, I think, that, you know, was going to Wisconsin's always going to be in the conversation. I mean, no matter what, they're going to reload, even with as much as they lost from last year. They have the the best running back in the league in Jonathan Taylor. And if they have a quarterback that can step in and do kind of some Adrian Martinez type things, they are going to be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, the the problem with Wisconsin and you know, we'll see what happens, but I've had some talks with some people that are familiar with, with uh, the coaching staff, familiar with some players on that roster, and part of the reason why they had a, a bunch of guys jump ship uh, early um, and, and in some cases even retire from football um, is because I, there's questions about Paul Christ and, and the way that he runs the program. There's questions about, um, you know, some, some – uh, you know, maybe some issues in the locker room, that type of deal. Mm. And so there's, I mean, I feel like there's some underlying issues with Wisconsin that, that could kind of rear their the ugly head uh, at some point. Especially season. if that quarterback play is yep. an issue. Well, and, and yeah, I mean, I think anytime you've got, you know, a true freshman that's coming in and you've got some some other guys like a Jack Cohn who, mm-hmm. who is somewhat established, you had – um, what Hornybrook kind of kind of uh, bail out early, so you've got a weird dynamic there at the quarterback position. I don't know. We'll see what happens there, but um, you've they, got you've got the best running back in the conference, so that's always something to hang your hat on. But at the same time, 
Like I, I'm really interested to see what Wisconsin looks like and and if there's those issues that I've kind of heard about are are actually true. Yeah, they could go one way or another. They yeah. could be like really good or they could completely implode. Well, and that, that kind of happened last year. I yeah. guess that's when these issues started coming up. Is what I was told is that. Um, hmm. you know, that's why that team so fell apart under yeah. the Minnesota game, particularly. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, they were supposed to run away with the yes. division and they were bad. They were supposed, supposed to be like a 10 win <laughs> team. When Iowa of all teams should have won the West last year. I mean, it's it, when yeah. you look at what Iowa had on their roster, the They're schedule loaded with first round draft, picks. the schedule they had for Northwestern to win the West. I mean, yeah. it, come on. I mean, it, their quality coach team. I get it. But Northwestern was not the best team in the West. I mean, the chips fell their way. Now, real quick here, Wisconsin, they open on a Friday night at South Florida. So they'll play Charlie Strong on the road Friday night game. Hmm. And then they have Central Michigan week two, then Michigan week three. So we're going to know. Actually, they they have a bye game before Michigan, a bye week. And then they have Northwestern following Michigan. So very, very difficult stretch. Now, they are at home, though. Um, but they're they're at home for one, two, three, four, five, six games in a row. What? Wow! Wow! Yeah, they have. That's, uh, a, that's a hell of a schedule. They open on the <laughs> road, and then they have Central Michigan, Michigan, Northwestern, Kent State, Michigan, all at home, and then they're on the road for four of their final six games. Wow! Mm. So there's a lot there to look about their schedule, but we'll we'll be talking about that all summer, yeah, I'm sure. No but uh, let's let's get on. We're gonna talk about Dedrick Mills and what that means in Nebraska next. You're listening to the Scarline Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. We just talked about some preseason magazine expectations. Well, Nebraska football got a big piece for the season locked up this week. And junior college running back Dedrick Mills, um, who was officially admitted into Nebraska um, this past week on Tuesday and let me tell you, um, there have been some people out there that have poured some cold water. This was a non-story. From what we know, and we know a lot, it, it was a lot closer than what people really want to admit. Uh, a couple of our colleagues out there um, really have downplayed this, but there, there was a lot to Mills in his academic status, um, you know, w- with kind of where things stood. And, you know, I know what Nebraska had about a week ago before they got him in. There was some concern, but I think, thankfully, the diligence of Ryan Held and Nebraska's people uh, really took care of this thing, Nate. Well, yeah, I mean, this was – and it, we should probably clarify that that Diedrich took care of business. Uh, there were some kind of some outside factors at play here that made Nebraska nervous and, and that were maybe kind of – um, coming into play with with whether or not he was going to be able to make it on campus, and so, uh, but he took care of business and did what he needed to do, and and you know, and I don't know if a lot of people understand that he actually graduated last December, uh, but he didn't have the GPA, the overall GPA, um, especially in the core classes, I believe, where he he could enroll at Nebraska. So he had to take three classes over and get a certain. He had grade. to replace bad grades yeah. with new with new letters. Yeah, and so. Um, you know, he could have bailed and, and gone to maybe a lower school or something at the at the semester after he graduated. But he went ahead and, and he retook some of these gla- these classes and replaced those grades with with better grades. Um, and so 
I mean, this was, you know, he, he did what he needed to do and he got on campus, but you're right. I mean, this was a, this was a, a big deal and it was closer than I think a lot of people. Yeah. yeah this wasn't really an automatic thing by no. any means. And I, I think that's why we covered the story and that's why like general star and Parker Gabriel, I mean, this, this was a lot closer from, and we, we had some inside information on kind of what was going down. So yeah, I mean, there, there was a lot to it. And for Nebraska, I know they were excited. I mean, you saw Ryan Held's reaction on Twitter. Yeah. Um, you know, if this was just some status quo thing, you don't see Ryan Held, you know, because it, it was a long two weeks after his finals, let me tell you, uh, to get to this point. But, Robin, it does answer now a lot of questions at running back, at least giving them that kind of big physical body that has power five experience in Dedrick Mills. Yeah, and that can't be overstated. I mean, at 215 pounds – He's 25 pounds bigger than any other running back on Nebraska's roster right now. I mean, <laughs> think about that. Uh, and so, you know, obviously there's a big need in re- replacing the workhorse factor of Divine Zigbo, but also the physicality. I mean, uh, Maurice Washington, I think, has a chance if he's able to actually put on some weight and, you know, we'll see what happens with his off-the-field stuff. But um, until that happens, I mean, you needed a guy that could go – win a big 10 football game in the trenches and go get you a third and three or a fourth and one or whatever it may be uh, to provide that power element. And yeah, they have playmakers, guys that can hit home runs, but you don't, they needed a guy that you know was able to, to win between the tackles. And I think they got exactly that with Mills. I mean, he proved it. And that's the difference, you know, between an excitement over him and a guy like Greg Bell, Greg Bell did it at the JUCO level, which is great and all, but when you do it at the Power 5 level, at a school like uh, Georgia Tech that you know, has that type of uh, power football element, and then to do it again at the junior college level himself, uh, I mean, there's a lot of reason why fans are excited and especially why the coaching staff is excited because of how uh, unique his brand of football is compared to everybody else in Nebraska's running back group right now. Yeah, I don't know if there's another running back in that room that – that kind of relishes the opportunity to run somebody over. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, I mean, that's not anybody else's mo or, or their game necessarily. And uh, but that's how Mills plays the game. He he would rather run somebody over in the hole than you know take a bounce it on bounce it outside and and try to hit a home you know an eighty yard touchdown run. Now obviously he wants to <laughs> to have an eighty yard touchdown yeah. run uh, whenever he can, but. Uh, he wants to physically wear people down. He's that workhorse type, type of guy where he wants to get the ball and, and kind of put the, the offense on his back and just grind it out. Um, and that's what exactly what happened, you know, at Garden City when he was there. He he, he and his teammate were, I think, that ended up being the number two and number three uh, top rushers in all of junior college football. And uh, uh, I mean, they just, I mean, he averaged, I think it was like. 29 or 30 carries a game for mm. Garden City. And it's I mean he, he I think that style of play is is going to bring a lot to that room. Well, you don't get 12 rushing touchdowns as a true freshman at a school like Georgia Tech without uh knowing how to He let him in rushing too, yeah. right? Yeah, he had 700 yards as a as a freshman. And he missed two. I think he missed two games that year. And he was playing. The, I don't know what they call it, the veer or whatever. Basically, the like wing, in, in the wishbone. The like, wishbone. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the guy that's closest to the quarterback. So essentially, a fullback. So yeah. that dude knows how to run tough. Yeah, I think and, they call it their b back or something. something that's like, like that. Their, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's their toughest position. Yeah. And so. Zach Duvall will get now six to seven solid weeks of training with him, plus the program week as well so I think having you know seven plus weeks of him on campus that's a big difference like let's just say 
the last grade that they were waiting on didn't go through and he had to retake another course mm-hmm. and then maybe he doesn't get here until late July or early mid July. A Maurice Washington yeah, exactly. type of situation. I mean, you're missing out on on all the amenities and the fuel and the resources Nebraska can give you over those two months. And I mean that is a big deal because Junior college kids and anybody can't afford to buy and do all the things that you get up in Lincoln. So I think getting him here for almost now half of May and then all of June and July before fall camp starts August 1 will be big. Yeah, that training table and strength program, I mean, he's 215 now. I could see that being over 220 by the time fall camp rolls around. I think that 215 might be a little generous Mm. unless he's added a lot of weight since last fall because that is one thing I was surprised about when I saw him in person was I thought he was going to be maybe a little bit bigger. And and I know that he played as a freshman. I want to say he he played at like 220-ish. And um, and he that's one thing he said. He, he really kind of leaned down from his freshman yeah. year. Um, but, but he's still, nonetheless, he's still a bigger, more physical back. But now he's getting back at a, a Power 5 training exactly. table. Exactly, yeah. I mean, he's going to be able to eat right. and That makes such a difference. Oh, it's huge. At a junior college – I mean, they, they, it's just a cafeteria, yeah. basically, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, if, if you the even kids wanna, eat it, if you even want to call it that, I mean, it's yeah. Um, they're not. They're you're not getting steaks and no. steamed it's vegetables. Frozen French. Yeah. It's frozen vegetables yeah. out of the bag and fr- yeah. or frozen um, French fries that are yeah, it's, fried. It's processed chicken nuggets and I mean, it's yeah, it's it, it's not it's not the training table, not even close. And then, you know, you look at this, I'll wrap it up on this. One thing, you, you study all the great Oregon offenses that Scott Frost was a part of with Chip Kelly. They all had a power puncher back, mm-hmm. you know, LeGarrette Blount. And um, who is the guy that Nebraska went against when they were up in Eugene a couple years ago? They were the really, really good running back. There. Oh, uh, number 21. Yeah. I can picture his Not yeah. LaMichael James. Um, no. Cash, I'm drawing a blank, but, too. But, you know, they always have had – But, or, yeah, he was a physical – he was a downhill runner. That was a piece that those <laughs> offenses always had. Um, and I, I think that was why they wanted to get Dedrick Mills, to have another guy like that, that physical puncher, to go with the speed that they're bringing in this team. Because now teams can't just zone in on one thing when you have all of it on your offense. Royce Freeman. Royce yes, Freeman. Royce. There you the go. Way. All right. When we come back, we are going to talk basketball, much less to talk about than last week. But we got the draft approaching, Isaiah Roby getting a lot of early praise and reviews. Robin talked with Roby. Uh, we'll get some thoughts from Robin next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan and Robin Washett. Talking now some Nebraska basketball as getting closer to the NBA draft. What, Robin? How many? What? Early June? Yeah, it's uh, after uh, the no, finals. No, late late June. It's after the NBA finals. Yeah, yeah. Because June tenth is the uh, absolute like final w- w- for the NBA's concerned withdrawal deadline. So yeah, it's it's uh, late June, I believe. So they had um, the the draft combine and, and workouts, and Isaiah Roby, from all reports, held his own at the event. Yeah, it was it was good. I mean, his uh, initial five on five scrimmage session um, on Thursday afternoon was wasn't great. I mean, he had a decent stat line: ten points, six rebounds, you know, and a couple blocks and uh, steal. But but you know, he he showed some of those things that I think Nebraska fans have seen over the last three years, where 
he's passing up threes. He's kind of unsure of what to do with the ball at times. You know, had some bad turnovers. And so you're like, uh-oh, here we go. But to his credit, he came back the next day on Friday and had a really good game, played almost 30 minutes in that second scrimmage and uh, had 15 points and just looked a lot more confident. He threw down some, like, coast-to-coast transition, transition dunks, hit some threes, was able to take the ball off the dribble to the rack and really showed what gets people so excited about his future at the next level. The fact that he does have that combination of size, skill, and athleticism that uh, NBA teams are are clamoring for. So uh, he really atoned for a rough first day and uh, came back with a strong Friday. And what was interesting is, you know, because he played in that first uh, scrimmage, so they they did it right off the bat with that. And he played 21 minutes in that first scrimmage and then did his testing. So all the vertical jump, agility test, lane uh, agility testing, all that stuff was done after playing essentially a full game with 21 minutes. And so he had some tired legs that kind of lowered his scores from what he had been testing at his training facility in Chicago. So, um, you know, I, I think that was disappointing for him. That, yeah, why would they do that? I don't know. I mean, I guess it, you, could, you don't have to play in that five-on-five thing. So the guys that did that did so voluntarily. So I guess, you know, kind of make your own bed there. But uh, all that being said, I think he did well enough to continue his track towards the NBA. And um, it was during the one of the broadcasts, uh, the Portland Trails Blazers uh, GM got on there and was like, you know, if you're a GM or a coach or an executive, whatever, and you're coming to the combine to do scouting, you're not doing your job right. Like that's what the last six months have been for. So this, I, you're more eyeballing. Right. You're, you're either confirming uh, opinions or one way or the other. Uh, but if you're sitting there saying, I don't know about this guy, let me see uh, what he's all about at the combine. Uh, you're you're doing it wrong. And so people that like Isaiah Roby have liked him for a long time, and that combine probably wasn't going to shape that opinion one way or another unless he either absolutely blew up or completely tanked, which he didn't either. Like, do you think he's a guy that makes a roster next year? No. I mean, or no. is he a G League? G League. I think unless you're a lottery pick, you're going to the G League. That's just kind of the way that the NBA and they're really growing is the G going. League. Yeah, they're putting a ton of money and a ton of resources into it to where they really want that thing to be uh, a better version a of college basketball. Yes, exactly. Where you get NBA development, they can focus on basketball full time. Don't have to worry about all that other stuff that that goes along with with high major college basketball, and you'll get them in their system. And so, I mean, like I said, if you're late first round, even you're probably going to spe- at least start next season on a G League roster. And so with Isaiah, I mean, he's projected at the very highest right now, you know, 25th, I think is the the highest mock uh, that I've seen. Uh, So, I mean, you're looking at absolute late first round, but probably early second. That's pretty much a guarantee you're starting off in the G League. So let's just play devil's advocate here. And Isaiah Roby doesn't like where he goes in the draft. Let's say it's like bottom of the second round or worst case scenario, somehow he doesn't get drafted. Does he come back to Nebraska, A, and B, if he does come back to Nebraska, how do you account? Because Nebraska today is 14 scholarships, and you can only have 13. So he won't be able to come back. Um, that's been kind of a real misconception that the NBA allows players to wait through the draft if they go to the combine. He's got an agent, though? Yeah, well, yeah, with that's approved by the NBA Players Association. So he, that's, he can have that. That's fine. That doesn't affect his eligibility. Uh, but May 29th is the NCAA's cutoff uh, for early entry withdrawal. And so that all that other stuff about waiting through the draft, that doesn't impact the NCAA. And that was one thing that Isaiah, when I interviewed him, cleared up to me. I was like, so, I mean, is this a deal where you'll wait all the way through the draft? He's like, no, that 
I, that doesn't even work for me. Like that's not a thing. So you can't like say, I don't like my draft pick and then go back. If, if you want to not play college basketball, I mean, you can wait out through the draft and then go do something else. But the NCAA rule is May 29th oh, is the withdrawal. Because I mean, with recruiting and stuff, they can't have schools. Yeah. Well, and, and that too, I mean, there's like uh, like Duke and Kentucky in these one and done places, they have to free those scholarships up. Right. I mean, right, they can't. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's just too many logistical issues that go with putting it off that long and leaving it up to chance all the way through the draft. So, I mean, so that's what he's operating is May 29th is his end all be all deadline. So uh, we don't have to worry about this thing lasting, you know, all the way through June uh, for Nebraska to figure out what's going on. And the fact that they've recruited basically filled his spot. Uh, Fred knows. Tells you everything that they need to know. And Isaiah said that he really hasn't talked much with Fred about um, their recruiting and kind of what, what next season might hold. It's mostly just personal, you know, how's your family, that sort of stuff. And so, I mean, the, the writing's on the wall there. Like, I think everybody is on the same page of what is going to happen. Isaiah is going to stay in the draft, and he's probably going to get drafted. And Nebraska has a full team of scholarships, you know, ready to uh, to, with, with that assumption in mind. Yeah, we talked about this, Robin, that they would maybe keep one open for a transfer yeah. in, in December. But, I mean, God, the way you look at it, I mean, so much uncertainty. I mean, there could be a good chance that one of these new guys by December doesn't like their situation and leaves the team. Because all these guys came to Lincoln kind of – I think they're all expecting <laughs> – to get it the way they want to. And mm -hmm. they can't give all these guys the type of minutes and playing time they all want. Um, so it'll be interesting to see the roster management, the rotation management, and, you know, all 13 guys, if they all make it here, and then kind of, you know, if, if there is a midterm type of situation, kind of how they handle that. Yeah, and, you know, with the way that they balanced out the classes, I think they did a really good job. You know, they, they got – almost equal parts, grad transfers, traditional transfers, JUCO transfers, and uh, four-year players. And so really, uh, the, the scholarship distribution chart is about as balanced as you could possibly want it. And so I think that, in turn, will allow them to have a pretty good rotation of the guys that are available to play, that are expecting to play, to get minutes and keep them happy. And, you know, obviously with injuries or whatever, um, things can change quickly. And so... Um, they said going in, they really only wanted to play 10 guys max. And um, right now, I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, yeah, seven, eight, nine, ten guys right now that are eligible um, that you would even consider getting respectable playing time at this point. And four of those are true freshmen. So uh, I don't think that's going to be an issue. Um, and a lot of these times, you know, guys are on their second or even third schools. The idea of moving once again is probably not in the card. So I think that they brought these guys in with an understanding of what their role is going to be. And I think all those guys expect to uh, play a lot. And I think the staff expects them all to play a lot. All right. When we come back, we're going to bring in Husker online intern, Allie Snow, as we'll take some questions in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Husker online show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, pleased to bring in Husker Online intern Allie Snow in between here in the Big Ten Baseball Tournament in Omaha. Allie, thanks for getting down here. I know you're, you and the interns are all busy uh, back and forth covering Big Ten Baseball here for Husker Online, but great to have you in studio. Yep, no problem. Well, what do you have this week on the mailbag? Okay, so there's a lot of recruiting questions, but we're going to start out with the class of 2020. Um, project Nebraska's class in 2020. What will be the themes of the class and where will the young 
men come from? Where will they come from? Nate, everywhere? can you tell me what my retirement portfolio will yeah. look like as well? And <laughs> yeah, while we're at it, while we're predicting the future, um, no, I, I mean it's going to be. I, I think this class has a chance to be as good as what we saw last year. You know, right around a top fifteen class. Um, and I know people are getting nervous; it's not coming together quite as fast. But I mean, really, when you look at what they did last year, it's it's very similar. They, I think they had four, maybe five commits heading into June. Uh, but the, June is when they just exploded. They went on that run. Uh, I mean, it was like a two, two-and-a-half-week run of, of commits like every other day, it felt like. so. Uh, and I think we're going to see something very similar to that this June. Um, it'll probably be you know anywhere from you know 10 to maybe even 13 or so commits before the season starts. And I think it's going to be heavy on the lines again. I think we're going to see a lot of offensive linemen, a lot of defensive linemen. Uh, you lose some bodies, especially on that defensive line. You lose five guys to graduation. So uh, I think they've got a lot to replace there uh, and a lot of lot of uh, guys in the trenches to add. Now where are they going to come from? All over. I mean, it's it's going to be a deal where uh, you, you see a lot of guys from all over the place. Uh, and uh, you know, but I do think it it could be as as good or, or roughly in the same range as as what we saw last year. Right. Um, what about the JUCO presence? What will that be like in twenty twenty? So junior college presence, um, they have offered. They're definitely going hard after a corner and uh, a couple defensive linemen, and most recently. They've offered a couple offensive linemen, um, and, and I know that they liked what they got out of the out of last year's offensive line class. But they're all freshmen, and you know, and I think a guy like Bryce Benhart could play early. But uh, most of those other guys, I think, are going to take a little while, especially like a Jimmy Fritchie, um, you know, and, and Matthew Anderson, who are, who are guys that that basically you know transitioned from tight end to offensive tackle in high school, uh, and I think they still have a ways to go. Uh, but their upside is tremendous. But uh, so I think they want to bring in, you know, maybe a junior college offensive tackle there to kind of help be that, uh, you know, stem the tide, I guess, you know, between so those young guys developing and, and some of the current players or current offensive tackles graduating. But those are the three main positions where I think we'll see JUCOs in this class. We're taking your questions here in the mailbag with Husker Online intern Allie Snow. What are the top positions we're going to need in the future for Nebraska football? Well, I mean, <laughs> I, <laughs> all of them. Yeah, all of them. Uh, I mean, when you, how far out are we looking? I mean, uh, I kind of mentioned, you know, the the heavy on the lines in this class, uh, but they also need, you know, I think wide receiver is a really important position in this class too. Uh, they don't have, I mean, they don't have anybody currently on the team uh, outside of JD that that I think is is the guy. Um, you know, you 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 hope that Kanawai Noah. Uh, can come in and give them what they what they want or what they Wanda, expect. Wandell is what Wand we think. Yeah, Wandell is is what you know what everyone thinks he is, and and I've got no reason to believe that he won't be. But um, you know, I, I still think they need to get some difference makers there at that offensive or at that uh, wide receiver position. So um, they've got quarterback wrapped up. I think that's always a big deal, especially to have that done early. Um, but uh, you know, outside of the lines, I, I think um, you know linebacker and and wide receiver are two spots that I'm really paying close attention to. With safety play this season, you guys have said the speed is better. What about fundamentals improving? Will it happen? Well, I think you're looking at two guys right now, Deontay Williams and Markel Smuke, and you know Cam uh, Taylor can play safety, corner, nickel, all of the above. But 
I really think Dismuke could be one of the. Is it Dismuke, Nate, or Dismuke? No, it's Dismuke. Dismuke. Mike Riley was the yeah. one that got the whole Dismuke. <laughs> I've never, ever once heard anybody other than Mike Other Riley. than the coach that recruited him. <laughs> yeah, well. He also said Ozigbu. Yeah, boo. Ozigbu. Uh, yeah, I, I've never heard anyone say Dismuke. I mean, even even his teammates from Calabasas when that when the whole that whole deal was going on. I mean, everyone called him Dismuke. I feel so, like I'm that stepbrother scene when he keeps butchering the the name Pam and, and he keeps calling her Pan and Panned and I think I can help with this Pan Pam debate. <laughs> Here we go. But Dismuke, Deontay Williams, I think they could be. Better potentially, obviously, than what Nebraska had a year ago, especially when you saw how slow Nebraska's safeties ran at, at pro day. Well, I think there's just an element of physicality with those guys. I mean, uh, you look at some of the, the – Deontay Williams didn't play a whole lot, but when he did, he was really good. And, you know, the, the pro football focus grades that we always uh, refer to we, each week reflected that. And so, uh, you know, I think now he's got an opportunity to be a fixture in that secondary and he's going to kind of pave the way there. And, you know, with Markel, it's the same thing. I mean, he had a great spring where he he won that number one spot. I mean, there was competition there, and he just took the job. And so you don't do that uh, by being inconsistent and having lapses with your execution. And so I think that in itself shows that he's ready for that type of challenge. And so I think having two veterans like that uh, leading the way is going to set the tone for the whole unit. All right, we got time for about two more. What do you have next, Allie? Is 2021 Teddy P someone that has to be locked up this fall before all the other guys start coming in? Teddy Prohaska? Prohaska. Yeah. Uh, from Elkhorn South. Well, you, you look at him, and I'll be honest, Nate, I'll be really shocked if he's not a Husker, but he has told me, um, you know, he wants to play through his junior year. I mean, it's so I, I think people need to realize this kid is just a sophomore, and they shouldn't get their panties in a wad if, if he doesn't make his announcement now. Um, I mean, he is just getting going in the recruiting process. Give him the right to enjoy that. And, you know, I think after his junior season, which I expect him to have a huge junior season, he's going to have a lot more offers. Um, but I do think um, he will pick Nebraska. It's just a matter of him kind of going through the process and going to the schools that he wants to go to and then eventually making that decision. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and everything that he's – I mean, he's been pretty consistent about what he's told me about his timeline. And and uh, and that is, is definitely, you know, um, not anytime soon. He, he's not going to be making a decision this summer. Uh, at least that's not been the plan. Um, in fact, he's been pretty consistent in telling me that it'll probably come the summer before his senior year, if anything. But, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think he's going to – He's going to see what other offers come his way. He's going to take some visits and, and check those places out and, and just kind of get a, a general vibe for, you know, what else is out there. And, and I think, you know, he's going to be a national recruit. We learned that. I haven't this, seen a guy better than him, Nate, since Baker Steinkuhl. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, yeah, it's been a long time since you've this seen This early on. Yeah, and so um, with his, with his kind of national, you know, uh, presence that I think he's going to have. He's going to have a lot of places to check out, and I think you kind of owe it to yourself maybe to to at least check out a couple other places or or take take advantage of the the overall experience. I'm not saying draw it out until signing day or anything, but um, he's not like that, and he's not like that. Uh, but but I do think that uh, if you're expecting Nebraska to have him wrapped up before the season starts, that's not going to happen. Well, and also you know his his teammate Isaac Zatica, I think. By him extending it longer, it's going to help a guy like Isaac Zatica get more looks and more attention as well because 
he's another Division One guy in that same class on that offensive line that will play right with Teddy. And I think the longer Teddy goes, that's good for Isaac Zatica too. Yeah, I mean, the, the foot traffic that, that a guy like Prohaska is going to bring into Elkhorn South, I mean, that's good for – Everybody on that team uh, that has uh, the potential. It's good for the state. Yeah, and it's good for the state. I mean, you're if you're a team from halfway across the country, you're not flying into Omaha to, to drive out to Elkhorn South and then leave. You're going to drop in at a couple other places, and you're going to check out some other schools, some other players in the, in that metro area. And, and so, yeah, that that overall exposure is good for everybody. All right, time for one last question, Allie. All right, thoughts on Sue going for the money instead of a ring? Um, it doesn't surprise me. It's kind of the story of his career outside of the L.A. I mean, taking the Miami. I mean, that was a money. But you look at, like, all-time Hall of Fame, like, contract guys, he is, like, the poster boy. I mean, I saw that of all non-quarterbacks, he is the second highest grossing uh, position player of all time, only behind Larry Fitzgerald. So, wow. dude is making some he's points. A, he's the highest paid defensive player in NFL history. Yes. Yes. So outside of quarterbacks, the only non-quarterback to make more money during his career is Larry Fitzgerald. How many more years does he have left, do you think? Two, three? Yeah, probably not a lot, which is why, I mean, get your money, son. And I think that he does like, he liked Florida a lot. I mean, I think there's a reason he went to Miami. Uh, So getting back down there, I think was, you know, part of the deal for him. And obviously Tampa Bay was Taxes too, man. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. State tax in California and LA versus no tax in Florida. And Sue's a businessman. He's no dummy. I mean, he, I mean, he, I'm I'm guaranteeing you that played a factor. No doubt. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's looking out for number one. And so, yeah, I mean, so he's probably significantly, probably he is significantly lowering his chance of winning a ring, but Honestly, I don't know how important that is to him in the grand scheme of uh, building up the Sioux brand and uh, padding that bank. True or false, Nebraska's two best NFL players right now are in Tampa Bay. Mm. Levante and Sue, yeah, obviously. I, I, would, I, I mean, who's number three? Yeah, I'd Rex have to. Burkhead. And he's not better than those no. guys. Rex Burkhead's got rings. Yeah, he's, well, got, he's rings. got rings, but he's not. <laughs> he's got I mean, a lot smaller checking checking <laughs> yes, account those guys. Yeah, Levante's like a, I mean, he's an all pro type of guy. Yeah. No, I think you can make that case. Yeah, I, I would say true. I mean, and, Spencer Long, no. I mean, the yeah, linemen I mean, that you got starters, but like no one knows who they are. I mean, yeah. I mean, these are like bona fide, you know, Pro Bowl guys, all Pro guys, yeah, playing together on the same team. For so, sure. by the way, December 29th, Tampa is at home. If Nebraska were to make the Outback Bowl, I already told Andy Kennedy, I go, well, <laughs> I just gave the Nebraska meet. Here, I already got your story for December 29th. You know, if we're in Tampa at the media hospitality room, we might have to step out now and go cover a Bucks game to get Sue and David. Let's go. All right, let's do it. All right. <laughs> when we, when we, hey, thank you, Allie. Yeah. When we come back, we'll close the show with some recruiting talk with Nate Klaus next. You're listening to Husker Line Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. We're back from St. Louis as uh, Nate and I were down there for the Rivals three-stripe camp. Got a chance to see a lot of top area prospects, Nate, and you know we touched on it a little bit in the mailbag, but I wanted to hit on uh, Elkhorn South's Teddy Prohaska right out of the gates. Oh, man, I mean, just getting a chance to see him in action at this camp. You and I both know knew that this was a special prospect, but nobody had really seen him. I mean, he'd kind of just been talked about or you knew about his name nationally. But I think for our people, particularly that got a chance to see Teddy, 
St. Louis at the camp solidified that he's a four-star guy for sure. And I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's in the top 100. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't either. Um, and, I, you know, I had a chance to watch Teddy play twice last fall, uh, and, and he did well. But it was still, you know, all potential because, you know, he's he's six eight, you know, and, and I think he played last year at 260 pounds or whatever it was. But and and he'd never been in a setting quite like he was at in at the rivals camp and and against some really good defensive linemen i'm i'm talking guys that have offers from alabama and ohio state and and you know the the whole big 10 the whole uh, Big 12. I mean, there's there's guys that had some big time offers, and and they're edge rushers. And okay, well, these are these are players that you know you just don't see in Nebraska. And so, uh, you know, how is how is Teddy going to fare in these situations? And um, you know, and obviously, pass blocking is uh, is what is one of the the harder things for for young offensive linemen to 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 learn and and to perform, especially in this type of setting. And I'll tell you what, he did he did unbelievably well, and uh, he came in at six foot nine, two hundred and eighty two pounds, um, and and he looks like a million bucks. And I mean, he's he's probably right where you want to be if you're you know if you're a a prospect with with that type of frame. I mean, he's got no bad weight on him. Uh, he's got nothing but um, you know, but time to put on good weight. He's not in a rush to like you know. He's not saying oh, I got to be 330 pounds. He's just I mean he is he's right on track with where he needs to be, and I think he's got a chance to be pretty special. Yeah, and, and you mentioned his frame, and you know Teddy's done a lot of performance training with Gibby Duvall mm-hmm. at Explosive Edge, and I think that's made a real difference. I mean, yeah, you can do what you can do at your high school, but I think your your coaches and people at your high school are limited as far as what they can do teach you and 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 do with you individually and I think that whatever it's been two years of individual work that he's put in at a performance place I think that's made a big difference in his development and flexibility in his movement because you just don't see six nine guys that young move that good no you really don't and bend I mean he's He's a guy. I mean, he can get down in in his stance. He's got good bend. I mean, he's not a, this big stiff guy that bends at the waist. You know, he's. Um, I mean, he's he, he's he's done uh, a lot of good things, and and he's on track. I think. Um, you know, like you said, I think the the extra work that he's been able to get in has been huge. Um, you, know, you go to the weight room with your team, obviously, and and he does that. Uh, but if you're in there with a hundred other guys or you know seventy other guys. You know, there's only there's only so much you're getting out of that, uh, and and it's it's all good, but it's I, more culture I, and team building. Yeah, I think the extra work, the extra stuff, the the quickness, the the flexibility, the the explosive work that he's been doing, um, you know, with with Gibby is is has obviously been paying off, and uh, I was just I'm shocked, you know, at, at how he performed and and just how strong he is, um, because I, I didn't necessarily see that all the time last year, last fall. He's up to 280 now, yeah, and he he's was, added, he was about 255 in the fall. Yeah, I mean, he's added at, at least 20, 25. 25 good pounds, and it's all muscle. Um, and so, I mean, I, I just – I was blown away. And I can't say how how impressed I was. And, and I know that he impressed the the – the uh, regional and national analysts there too, and, and like you said, I, I think that he's he's a for sure four star, and 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 probably going to be a guy that ends up in the top one hundred. I mean, there's an outside chance he could snag a late invite to Atlanta this year, depending on the numbers and kind of what they have available. But 
yeah, he he really I mean maximized it. But you know, there's some other guys there too from Nebraska, Nate, um, Jalen Roussel from Omaha Burke, White Seagram, a tight end out of Oakland Craig, two under the radar guys that you know nobody really had much on that went in there. And I mean, I think they solidified that they're at least a Wyoming, Ohio type offer, if not maybe a, a later type of Big Ten, Big Twelve offer, and then. You had, obviously, some younger guys like Isaac Zatica from Elkhorn South, but then Drew Christo from Elkhorn. Um, was he 6'4", 215? What was his final height I'm, weight? I'm not sure what his weight was, but, yeah, I believe he measured in at 6'4". So, I mean, he's a guy – I think Drew Christo, out of that 2021 class, I, I, I'd be shocked if he wasn't the next offer guy for Nebraska. I think he's a Nebraska-level player. I think that um, – He's Barrett know, Rude's kind of guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, just a very mature – He's real smart, intelligent. Reminds you of a Barrett Rude a little bit. Yeah, reminds you of Barrett Rude. Reminds you kind of a, of a Nick Henrich, you know, that, that Nebraska signed out of Omaha Burke last year. I mean, I think they're similar players, except Drew is probably ahead of Nick – um, you know, and physically, I think he's a little bit taller um, and maybe got a little bit more length. And and uh, and so, but they play very very similar. I think they they have similar personalities too a little bit. So um, you know, out of that 2021 class, I think he's I think he's probably the next guy that that Nebraska will offer or, or that I see getting bigger offers like that. I'm shocked that he doesn't have anything yet, to be honest with you, but. But he's a multi-sport guy. I know he's got a lot of baseball offers, so that's something that that you're probably going to have to monitor here over the next couple of years. Uh, you mentioned Roussel and, and Segrin out of the 2020 class. I was really, really impressed with both those guys too, and um, you know I, I think they're both. Uh, I think Roussel for sure is is probably you know a, a, at least at the very least kind of a MAC level guy for sure, FCS guy, um, and, and somebody that's going to pick up a lot of offers and Segrin. Uh, too, I think is for sure an FCS guy. He only has Division Two Shattern State right now, but um, yeah, but I would not be surprised if he picked up some MAC or some some uh, you know some Mountain West or or, or things like that. But uh, I think he's going to be just a monster in a couple of years. I mean, he's six seven, two hundred thirty three pounds. He he earned the invite into the camp by testing out well at the combine where he ran a. I mean, his his best forty was in the four the the upper four eight range. Uh, which for an electronic 40 from, you know, for, out of some 6'7", 233-pound kid from Oakland Craig that's never really worked on running a 40-yard dash before uh, was impressive. Oh, and then he jumped a, he jumped a, like a 32.7-inch wow. uh, vertical. That's um, impressive. Yeah. I mean, those numbers out of a 6'7", 233-pound kid that's never really worked at anything like that before – was I, I was blown away, and so I mean, so were the people there. That's why he earned the invite into the camp, oh, and then he he dominated the camp. I think he was one of the top, probably top two. <laughs> East St. Louis coaches, you said were, were, they were calling him Gronk. Yeah, there was one play in particular where uh, where he caught this pass in in uh, in in, one, in the one on one portion where he caught this pass and he he kind of turned and stiff armed the linebacker, and the coaches are like, oh, you know. The, <laughs> and they're like, they're like, oh, Gronk Jr. And they asked me, they go, where's that kid from? And you think about the element of a Oakland Craig, Nebraska kid in the middle of East St. Louis. I mean, <laughs> I mean that. I mean, talk about not being in your your comfort zone and and to go in there and and still and still be ready to go. Yeah, I mean, and he never played, never ever been in an environment like that <laughs> against that, players like that. I mean, and so yeah, the coaches they go, where's that boy from? And and I go, Oakland, Nebraska, and they kind of looked at me. Like, they're like, Oakland, California. Yeah, they're like, and, and I said, it's it's 
it's a tiny town in Nebraska, and they're like, oh, man. So, uh, I mean, they were intrigued, and, and from that point on, they started calling him Gronk Jr. for the, for the rest of the day. You mentioned Drew Christo, baseball-wise, Nate. He, he struck out um, 38 batters in 31 and a third innings, also averaged 12 points a game in basketball as a sophomore. I mean, so it's a pretty remarkable sophomore year. was Elkhorn's best football player, too. So lots to get excited about here in the state. Unfortunately, we're out of time, so we can't even get into our discussion about St. Louis recruiting in Nebraska. That's probably – we could save that for next week yeah. or down the road here. And you'll be back in St. Louis – Next Friday, right? Yep, next Friday for the Mega the, Camp. The Lindenwood Mega Camp. So we will discuss St. Louis next Friday. How about yeah, that? Let's do that. All right. When we uh well that wraps it up here for the show. Big Ten baseball uh going on all weekend in Omaha. And as always, we are on commit watch. Nothing at least imminent right now, but you never know with the recruiting as this is the time of year where things can happen and they can happen fast. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.